Back in 2014, the UFC made a decision to scrap knockout and submission of the night bonuses in favour of a new system that awarded fighters bonuses based on their performance, which was labelled as performance of the night. Many speculated how this change would be implemented. Would it be a system that would simply reward fighters for the two best finishes, regardless of KO or sub? Or would it be awarded to individuals that put on an incredible performance but didn't finish their opponent? Well, four years later, and the general distribution of performance of the night bonuses show intriguing statistics. Does this bonus truly represent which fighters deserve the reward the most, or are they going to main eventers that are effectively closing out a card? I'm Tom from MMA On Point, and this is who are performance of the night bonuses really for? So firstly, let's look at the numbers. Since its inception, the most performance of the night bonuses have been awarded to Conor McGregor at six, followed by Donna Cerrone and Anthony Johnson at five, and Ronda Rousey at four. Arguably, these four martial artists are amongst the biggest stars in the UFC, having generated millions and millions of dollars for the company over the years and regularly main event or main evented financially successful events. Looking specifically at Conor, who heads up the leaderboard, upon his return from an ACL injury, McGregor whipped up his first performance of the night bonus at UFC Fight Night 46, an event held in Ireland which he made evented against Diego Brandao. The card saw a total of seven finishes, which included a big KO from Alir Latifi and a slick performance and submission from Paddy Houlihan. But the bonuses were awarded to McGregor and Gunnar Nelson, the main and co-main event of the evening. McGregor's opponent Brandao was coming into the fight with a loss and McGregor was the heavy minus 450 favourite, and though McGregor got the TKO finish, it can be argued that either Latifi or Houlihan deserved it more for their performances against opponents that were relative to their skill level. From here, McGregor earned four more consecutive performance of the night bonuses against Poirier at 178, Siva at Fight Night 59, Mendez at 189, and Aldo at 194. Amongst these cards, there were 24 finishes and two performance of the night bonuses, for which McGregor earned one on each. He would also go on to receive Fight of the Night bonuses for both Diaz fights. McGregor, Cerrone, Johnson, and Rousey all received their performance of the night bonuses on the main card. And they were on the main card for a reason, their fan favourites competing on the biggest stage against the best competition, and that essentially carries how a fight card performs financially. They are the draw for the fans that are interested in their specific fight. So a big win at this level with an audience that is directly tuning in to watch them ultimately generates much greater recognition than, say, a fairly unknown fighter with a remarkable win on the undercard. So does this mean that a bonus is offset to who you are as a fighter, how much you generate for the company, and then the outcome of your fight as opposed to just the performance itself? When fighting on the same card as Conor McGregor, it definitely seems so. This is, unless the UFC see you as a prospect. Following Rousey, Thomas Almeida and Gunnar Nelson also hold four performance of the night bonuses on the leaderboard. Both Almeida and Nelson grab bonuses for their performance whilst holding an undefeated record. Like McGregor during their ascent up the rankings, both Almeida and Nelson were awarded back-to-back -back bonuses. Almeida gained his first whilst competing on the main card at UFC 186, his second fight in the UFC, and Nelson earned his at UFC Fight Night 37. A card that saw Alir Latifi perform a ninja choke for the finish. Poor Latifi, he's been completely ignored here. And also Luke Barnett head kick and finish Matt Nielsen. It could be argued that the performance of the night bonus is distributed on the back of who the UFC may see as a future star. This credential can help drive stock and promote future fights. As of 2018, when you look at how the performance of the night bonus has been distributed over 12 UFC events, over half that have been awarded have gone to the co-main or main event of the evening, which demonstrates that the performances on the undercard do indeed get recognition, only if, however, they are monumental finishes. So this should mean that when fighting on the undercard to be awarded this bonus, a fighter would need a finished victory that stands out amongst the others. And generally, this could be seen as a positive. In a sport that sees fighters transition into market 
remarkable stars after standout performances, having half the chance of winning a bonus against main carders may act as the motivational drive to help propel themselves into that position themselves. At the end of the day, the UFC is handing out bonuses to competitors that made the card worth watching. Be that the audience is tuning into the main event fighters or the spectacular KO finish from an anonymous fighter on the undercard. The reason why McGregor probably sits on top of the performance of the night leaderboard is that he brought the hype and ultimately delivered. And in UFC land, there probably isn't a better performance than that in itself. So outside of fighting, when you don't do what the company wants, surely it makes sense to remove this bonus from those fighters, right? Well, in the case of Ally Quinta, that's exactly what happened. Prior to stepping in at UFC 223 and saving the show, Ally Quinta was on a five fight winning streak, four of those being TKO finishes, and one would assume that at least one of those fights, he would have been given the performance of the night bonus, especially for his 98 second destruction of Diego Sanchez at UFC Fight Night 108. Nope. The UFC had him on a bonus ban as a punishment for three separate incidents. Trashing a hotel room, swearing at a crowd post-fight, and no-showing a UFC fighter summit. Though yes, one could argue that Iaquinta was responsible, the idea of a bonus ban seems considerably vindictive. When looking at the bonus payouts, the performance of the night bonus is generally a tip jar. Withholding the potential of a tip from a fighter, especially as a ban, reinforces the hierarchy, regardless of the fact that the fighters are subcontractors and prohibits the chance of a raise. So by removing tips from specific fighters, the bonus becomes a form of weapon against fighters that don't bend to the UFC's will, especially now that fighter sponsorships have been eradicated for Reebok. For many, the performance of the night bonus can act as a supplement for further training. Joanne Calderwood posted on her Instagram back in 2016 that she wasn't able to afford training at TriStar despite pocketing $30,500, 14k to show, 14k to win, and 2.5 Reebok cash when defeating Valerie Letourneau at UFC Fight Night 89. The fact that Calderwood, who at the time was a big draw for the Scottish market with a record of 11 wins and one loss, could not afford the training she needed to progress and consistently perform for the UFC demonstrates why Iaquinta feels he needs to sell houses on the side. Despite being the co-main event at UFC Fight Night 108, Iaquinta was the 12th highest paid competitor on the card, 26,000 a show. Since stepping up to the plate at UFC 223, Iaquinta's show rate jumped up to $250,000 and had he won at 223, I'm sure he would have been eligible for a bonus. So yes, though the performance of the night has shown to reward a fair few newcomers hoping to make their name in the organisation, do you think enough is being done to really reward the fighters who deserve the extra cash the most? What do you think can be done to improve this system, and are the UFC justified in holding back cash from fighters who have gone against their will? One thing is for certain, if you're making the UFC money, you can definitely expect a little in return. Hey, what is up, guys? Jason from MMA On Point here. Thank you for visiting our Patreon page. You'll see that we are looking to do quite a bit with our Patreon and expand to have a bigger team and start doing daily news and articles. Right now, it's just me, Tom, and we have a social media guy, but we are looking to expand that, and we feel like we can do that with your help. Hi, guys. Tom here. So what we're looking to do is hire more video editors. This means that we can upload more videos each and every week and Jason and I will be writing and voicing everything of course but this helps us do so much more with the YouTube channel. We want to develop our website and begin to add more meaningful content in the form of news and articles. And we also want to travel. Now, I'm not talking about going to Barbados or the Seychelles or having a, a sweet candlelit dinner in some beautiful resort. No, we're talking about going to events. It's not just videos and writing. We want to be there. Interviewing and covering events is officially credentialed 
members of the press. Our first big event will be International Fight Week for UFC 226. So basically what we're talking about is just $2 if you want to help out. And of course there are bigger tiers if you feel like you can help out from there. But everything you guys give us, it doesn't matter how small it is, makes a huge difference. When we're trying to go to these events, trying to do these cool things, it really does help. So... I appreciate you guys watching. Thank you for your time. Uh, join the team if you can, and we will see you later.